Hi everyone and welcome along to the Ergonomically Speaking podcast, the podcast that aims to help you reduce and even eliminate work-related discomfort. I'm your host Neve Pentney of Boyne Ergonomics. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really hope that you're able to take away some useful practical advice from this podcast to help you reduce your own risk of discomfort at the workplace or help manage the risks among the people that you might be responsible for. So now that we know why we're here, let's get started. Hello, hello, and welcome along to episode 20 of the Ergonomically Speaking podcast, where today I'm going to be talking to you all about ergonomics in children, what we can do to help foster healthy ergonomic habits and good ergonomic environments for our children and our young people so that we can help optimize their musculoskeletal development and prevent the development of any issues. And I think this time of year, it's now the first week of September, the kids are going back to school, students are going back to college, and I think this is a really good time to have a look at this and focus on trying to get a good start for the year and focus on what exactly we as caregivers can do to help build good habits and develop good environments for our young people. And before I get into it and what we can do, I think it's really, really important to focus on why this is so important. Why? Like, we children are adaptable. You know, children can cope with different postures, different environments. Why are we so worried about how they are when they play, what their posture is like when they're doing their homework? And I think the really, really important thing to remember is, firstly, children are not little adults. So from a musculoskeletal point of view and from a cognitive point of view, children are not little adults. The musculoskeletal system it's in the development stage right up until the ages of about 18 to 21. And because of this, they have different needs and they can also tolerate and withstand different demands and require different demands to encourage healthy development. And that's really important to remember. And another factor that we need to be considerate of is the cognitive development. The inner working of the child and the adolescent brain is, is so different from the adult brain. And this can impact all areas of cognition, whether it's... um how they learn, attention span, it can also impact emotional regulation and this can all affect how children and adolescents take in and also process information in a learning environment and in a play environment. And I suppose why should we be paying attention to not only what our young people are doing but how? Well, firstly, if we can get good habits, good practices instilled quite early on that allow them to play and learn comfortably with less risk of injury this can only be a good thing both in the short term and the long term you'll have them developing less aches and pains now you will have less developmental issues in regards to their musculoskeletal system and then hopefully help reduce the likelihood they're going to have a problem later on and secondly as the young musculoskeletal system develops the bones are malleable, they're not fully fused. So it is important that we encourage different postures, movements, age-appropriate loading, so that we encourage good spinal alignment and good muscle development. You have to remember, muscles have to be loaded to develop. Anyone who does any kind of exercise or weight training, you will have heard this before. To encourage muscle growth, we do have to have loading 
Um, so it is important, but age-appropriate loading is what's important. And this will give a solid foundation, if you like, for the musculoskeletal system as children grow into adolescence and on into adulthood. And then finally, children and adolescents, they generally, I'll be very general, generally have shorter attention spans and can get more easily distracted and bored with prolonged tasks, making it more difficult for them to take in the information and complete tasks, especially if it's something school-based, we'll say, that maybe they mightn't have a full interest in and they're only doing it because they have to. So it's important to pay attention to your child to see what tasks they struggle with, what information they struggle with, and that will help you then maybe design homework time and homework environments to try and optimise learning within the attention span that they have. So that's quite a general statement, but it is important to remember. I think, as I said, children are not little adults. Different demands are needed. They have different capabilities. And that's what we really need to focus on with ergonomics. So what are the risks associated with, we call it poor ergonomics in childhood. So when we're talking about poor ergonomics in childhood, what, I, what I'm speaking about, what I'm referring to is prolonged static postures, prolonged repetitive movements and prolonged adverse postures. And yes, you will notice there's a common word in all those things, and it is the word prolonged. Okay, because it's so important to remember that there's nothing wrong with static postures per se. We all need to rest. The body can't be in motion continuously all the time. Static postures are important to allow us to get tasks done and to allow us to rest. Repetitive movements are not bad. We need to learn motor skills. We need to learn movements. We need to learn muscle memory. So repetitive movements themselves are not bad. And adverse postures are not bad. Like we need to move, we need to maintain a good healthy range of motion in the joint. We need to essentially stress our musculoskeletal system to help it develop, especially at a young age. The key factor here is the prolonged. So you have to remember that humans are not designed to be static, still objects, especially children. We need to be physically and mentally stimulated. And excessive and prolonged adverse postures, repetitive movements, and a really sedentary lifestyle in childhood can impact the musculoskeletal system development in three different kind of ways. The first one problem we can have is we can have muscular issues stemming from poor muscle balance. And this can be caused by prolonged sitting, prolonged use of mobile devices, prolonged forward leaning postures when completing the school and the homework. So these are issues with the actual muscles themselves. What can happen then, the next step up, if you like, is the structural issues. So as these poor postures, as the prolonged poor postures, as these prolonged static postures, as this sedentary lifestyle becomes more commonplace and more embedded, we can then get structural issues, which is essentially caused by abnormal skeletal system development. And I think what always springs into my mind when I think of this is tech neck in young people. So this forward head posture that we're seeing in people associated with prolonged mobile phone use, where instead of the cervical spine developing essentially as it, as it should and as it has done in the past, we are now starting to see structural changes 
in the upper back going into the neck where the actual alignment of the discs is changing. And this is associated with these prolonged adverstatic postures during the developmental stage. So that's what always springs into my mind when I think of these structural issues. And then the third level, the next one up is functional issues. And this is essentially when these changes to the musculoskeletal system start to impact the integrity of the joints and the functional ability of the joints. And this can cause excessive wear and tear. So all these things can compound on each other and cause poor posture, chronic pain, as well as the other side effects of a sedentary lifestyle, such as type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular issues, digestive issues, pulmonary issues, and a negative impact on mental and emotional well-being. And there is a really, really huge range of research in this showing the negative impact of prolonged sedentary postures, sedentary lifestyle in young people and what it can do. And there has been studies that have shown on that. I have them noted in the blog, which I'll put a link to in the show notes. But there are studies that have shown, you know, prolonged sitting in 11, 13 year olds can cause trunk asymmetry, scoliosis and altered spinal curves. Other studies have showed that in nine year olds, mid back pain was the most common complaint with this change to low back pain between the age of 13 and 15. So these are 13 and 15 year olds complaining of pain in their lower back. Nine year olds complaining of pain in the middle of their back. This was one of the most comprehensive papers that I've read. And if you have any interest in this at all, either, you know, as a parent, as an educator, as somebody with an interest in the field of ergonomics, if you have a look at the EU OSHA paper from 2021, they have a paper that highlights the findings that approximately 30% of young people aged between 7 and 26 are suffering from ongoing musculoskeletal discomfort. So this is not the once-off nickel here and there. This is ongoing issues. And the risk factors that they identified included physical factors such as weight, nutrition, lifestyle, poor postures, mental and psychosocial factors, socioeconomic factors, environmental factors, sports participation, and individual factors. And the most preventable, I suppose, of these are the musculoskeletal discomfort that can be caused by physical and psychosocial risk factors. So there's a huge amount of information in that paper. I won't go into it all here, but if you do have an interest in it, there is a link to it in the blog on my website. So we're talking about what we want to avoid. So we want to avoid musculoskeletal issues in children. We want to avoid chronic pain. And we want to avoid all the associated risks of a sedentary lifestyle that unfortunately has become more common over the last few years as learning and leisure time becomes more digital. So what can we do? There's definitely a few things we can do. The first thing that I think is really important, and it's one I try and focus on myself, I said, um, Anyone who knows me knows I have two daughters. They're now eight and five. And I find this here is incredibly important, and that is modeling behaviors. So it is all very well and good. Me, you know, asking them to sit a certain way or, to, you know, lift the tablet up or monitoring tablet time and making sure they're getting exercise and they're eating healthily. The reality of it is children do not do as we say or as we ask. They do as we do. So 
So they mimic and they copy our behaviours. So if we want to promote good postures, if we want to promote an active lifestyle, well, then one of the first things we have to do is start to do it ourselves. So it's absolutely no use me telling the girls that they can only have X amount of tablet time and to make sure your tablet's on a stand and it's positioned here if they look across the room and see me standing scrolling on the phone with my phone down my stomach and my head bent forward and on it for prolonged periods of time it's hypocritical they're not going to listen they're not going to learn so I think one of the most important things is that we engage in an active lifestyle so that it means whether you're looking at healthy eating whether it's getting out and getting fresh air whether it's engaging in activities to promote mental development whatever an active lifestyle is to you that's what we should be promoting we should be avoiding prolonged use of mobile devices and that means Yes, of course, I know, don't get me wrong, phones and tablets and laptops are, for most of us, an essential part of our day. But but a lot of it can be avoided or sectioned off to certain parts of the day. So, for example, if you do want to have a good scroll on Instagram or you do want to have a good look at TikTok, you know, and, and kind of lose yourself in that, that's your downtime. But you know what, that's fine, but maybe wait until the kids are not around or kids are in bed, where if you want to do that, that's fine. But it's not in view or for around the children basically where you're trying to tell them one thing but then you're showing them a different thing so i would avoid prolonged use of mobile devices and modeling good ergonomic practices when you're using your devices such as using a laptop stand a keyboard and a mouse if you're using a tablet make sure it's on a stand having everything positioned so that you're upright and to be honest this won't only benefit the children this will benefit you like we should all be doing this anyway a lot of us don't and are getting little aches and pains and niggles. So modeling behaviors is one of the first areas that we can address. That being said, it can be one of the more difficult things because as you know, when it comes to removing risks, reducing risks when it's to do behavior is one of the hardest because it needs the biggest effort on our part, the biggest effort, excuse me, on our part. If you are able to engineer a a risk reduction measure in so for example a tablet stand or a laptop stand that's an engineering control that's quite easy very little effort on your part but when it's a behavior change that's needed it's a little bit tougher but we need to look at the long-term goal here we are thinking of the health and the well-being of our children and our young people in the future when they go into the workforce so absolutely all for modeling behaviors something we should all be doing active lifestyle The American Heart Association reports that despite the maximum recommended screen or TV time for children is two hours a day, eight-year-olds get an average of eight hours screen time a day. And this goes up to 11 hours a day for teenagers, which is astonishing, but I can well believe it. Considering the amount of time spent in school, time spent in homework, time spent on devices and TV, children and adolescents can spend a large portion of their days in a sedentary position. The HSE recommends a minimum, a minimum of 60 minutes of moderate to vigorous physical activity per day. Limiting screen time and encouraging active play and physical activity doesn't just encourage healthy, good musculoskeletal development, but it increases self-esteem and reduces the risk of back and neck discomfort, which we see with prolonged use of digital devices. What I will say on this is, I can only speak on my own experience. I know the school that my children go to are quite big on being active during the day. 
it's one of the reasons they got rid of the school uniform and brought in a school tracksuit so that kids are coming in in the tracksuits in their trainers ready to go so they can move quite easily between um for example kind of more traditional writing maths based work and jump very quickly into something quite vigorous and quite physical and then come back again so i know within our school environment physical activity is quite heavily promoted during the day I can't say this is the way for all schools. It certainly was not the way when I was in school. But this 60 minutes of moderate to physical activity per day, especially with children, this can be play. Like this is not, you're not trying to get them to do 60 minutes of aerobics or 60 minutes of rugby or whatever it might be. Play will cover this in the most cases. Um, so simply by as I said, promoting your own active lifestyle, getting out for a walk in the evening when it's good, maybe heading for a walk after dinner, letting them play outside and get some fresh air, that will cover that. But unfortunately, there are a lot of children who don't get that um, because their lifestyle is so sedentary. So 60 minutes a day plus is not that hard really to work into the life of a child. And, and it doesn't have to be in one chunk. It can be broken up into different portions. So obviously you have your school break times and you come home you can do some homework have some play time before dinner you know keep keep it active it doesn't have to be 60 continuous minutes it could be four blocks of 15 whatever it is but like a minimum of 60 minutes per day for a child isn't undoable definitely not and we should all be promoting it something we can look at as well is their seated posture while they're studying now I know if they're in school there's not a lot you can do about this they have the furniture they have and nobody's going to be correcting their posture as they're sitting there doing their work but it is something you can look at when they're doing their homework so if they're doing writing based school and homework the seated posture should be somewhat similar to an adult who's on a computer similar the feet ideally should be planted on a solid surface there should be a 90 degree bend at the knee and another one at the hip and the back should be supported. And this can be difficult because this all depends on the furniture that you have and that they're using to do their homework. And as somebody who lives in quite a small living space myself, that we have to adapt and change for homework, for dinner time, you know, I do understand how difficult it can be, but there are things you can do. So, when you're looking at the furniture available for children, firstly, there are desks and chairs that are designed to be used by children. So obviously they're smaller, they're not as high. Um, some of them are quite adjustable. Some of them actually adjust and grow with your child. Others, for example, like the small IKEA table, like we use that here for our five-year-old. She uses the small IKEA, I think it's the LAC, small side table. She's a small IKEA chair. She's five years of age. It suits her perfectly. So when she's sitting there, her feet are on the floor, her knees are at 90, her hips are at 90. I put a little cushion in behind her back and that's where she will do her work if she wants to do a little bit of work. And to be honest, it would be only for really, really short periods of time. But that's where she does her work. However, that table and chair setup doesn't suit my eight-year-old because she's too tall and she now can't. If she sits in that, she can't get her legs under the table. So in the ideal world, I would have an adjustable chair, an adjustable desk, and maybe in the future, 
if we can move to a new space, we can definitely would look at getting that in for them. But what we have to use for her is the dining table. So we have to adapt that for her. So we get a box that goes under her feet. It's actually a step that goes under her feet. So even though she's sitting in the adult dining chair, her feet are on a solid surface. We put a little cushion on the seat to make it more comfortable and one behind her back to support her back. And in that position, she can have the feet planted, knees at 90, hips at 90 and back supported, even though she's sitting at the adult dining table. So you can adapt what you have. What I'll say is when it comes to schoolwork and homework, the biggest culprit I see and the, and the biggest red flag I see is children's reading and writing posture. And I did it myself. I, I know I did it myself in school where you're bent forward over the book, leaning down the table, shoulders rounded, back bent. If you think about how long children are in those postures and for how many years, you can think of the impact it starts to have on the spine. So what I normally do myself is for reading and writing work, we use a tilted surface. Now, you can get tables where you can adjust the tilt and they're brilliant. What we use ourselves here in the home is I have a little writing slope, a little wooden one that has a rubber mat on it that you can put the work on and that tilts the page so they can actually sit back in the chair like a writing slope you'd use at a, at a computer desk. This, the premise is the same. You are putting the paper on the surface. It is tilted upward, angled at you, and it means you don't have to round yourself down to write on it. You can sit back, have your back supported when you're doing your writing and they're doing their reading. And I find it great because I know as smaller children, a lot of the work our kids get home, it's not just reading and writing. There's games and there's cards and there's word cards. And we find the writing slopes to be a really, really great addition. And the one we have folds away flat. So we take it apart and put it away and then take it out at homework time. And it's been really, really, really great. Um, and while I will say that is the good seat of posture for when they're doing their work at the table. But if the children that you're responsible for are anything like mine, you won't get them to sit that way for very long. And nor should you. You have to remember, children are generally quite fidgety and unable to remain seated for prolonged periods. And that's good. So. While I do try to encourage this seated position for certain tasks, for other tasks, we encourage them to move and change position. So it could be that they do their reading on the sofa or if there's some colouring homework, they might lie on the floor in their tummies and colour that way. The variety of postures for children are good. And really what I would try and aim to do is start off in the good position, get that work done out of the way. Um, if there are colouring things, I'll tend to let them just do wherever they're comfortable. Again, my kids' favourite is to lie on the floor on their tummies and colour that way. That's great. Um, I generally only let them go for about 10 minutes before I maybe encourage a break. That They just go do something, go grab a snack, go grab a glass of water, you know, go do something and come back and do the next bit. But I have to say mine are quite young, so very rarely really would their homework take very long? I know it's going to change as they get older. And I encourage them to move around. Reading tasks on the sofa, wherever they're comfortable. But definitely, if there's writing tasks that need a bit of concentration, that's where I tend to start them off at the tables and then let them move on from there. 
if there's any work needed on the tablet, we make sure that the tablet's positioned properly too. So that kind of brings me on to digital device use. So we've got modeling behaviors. We've got a general active lifestyle and your seated posture and tilted surface. The next thing is looking at their digital device use. There's no point in even trying to gloss over it. Digital device use is a huge part of childhood for a lot of children. And there's pros and cons with it. I have to say my two girls both have tablets and I've seen great benefits of them, but I've also seen the downside. So what I would say is if they're using a digital device, if they're going to be on it, you think, for more than 30 minutes, I would make sure it's elevated. So the laptop, the tablet, the phone, whatever it needs to be, it is elevated to eye level using a laptop stand or tablet stand or books or boxes, whatever it needs to be. This is also really important. It takes stress off the neck and it reduces the likelihood of developing symptoms and poor posture associated with tech neck. There is a whole blog post and podcast episode on tech neck, so I won't go into it. But screen positioning is incredibly important. If they're completing tasks that need typing or clicking the device should be connected to an external keyboard and a mouse. And if you're getting a mouse for your child, make sure you get a child size mouse. Size of the mouse is very important for reducing the risk of wrist problems and forearm problems and issues with the fingers. So make sure you're getting an appropriate child size mouse because it's more suitable for their small hands. As with adults, it's important to limit the amount of prolonged use. So in our house, what we use are countdown clocks. So we have a couple of them. I use them myself for work, for concentrating on work tasks. But we will use countdown clocks. You can use parental control timers. Um, or you can just tell them yourself to get off the device. But I find a lot of us, myself anyway, I can be quite busy. And I'll find that 30, 40 minutes can go by quite quickly. So there are ways you can limit the amount of time on the devices. And we should. Because this helps to avoid the risk of developing any musculoskeletal issues because of the device. I find what we use for ourselves for the tablets, we have foam triangular tablet holders that are brilliant. And it's become an integrated part of the tablet in that when they're not in use, we leave our tablets sitting on the stand. So when the kids go to get their tablets, they, the stand goes with them. So we're at a stage now where the stand has become to them, in their mind, part of the tablet use. So if they want to use their tablet, they grab the tablet, it's on the stand, and the two things go with them. So very, very rarely have I seen in the last few months the girls grab the tablet and no stand. So which that's a great habit, and I'm happy with that one, that that has been built in, because it just means the neck is so much more relaxed when they are using the device. So that's your devices. The next thing we'll look at, and I do have a whole podcast episode and blog post on it, but I'll gloss over it here, is your school bag. So again, making sure the school bag is the right side for the child and making sure that it's the right weight and making sure that it is worn properly can go a long way to reducing the risk of developing musculoskeletal issues in the future. Very, very important. So when it comes to children and adolescent postures, there's a lot of it that's outside of our control. So especially when it comes to time spent in school and time spent in college, we don't get to pick the furniture. We don't get to pick the tasks. 
we don't get to pick how much time they're active, how much time they're seated. That's all out of our hands. But by encouraging healthy, active lifestyles, active learning, supported postures when they are sitting, appropriate digital device use, we can help foster and develop good, healthy musculoskeletal habits that will serve them well into the future as they grow into adulthood and they enter the workforce. As I said, there's a lot of research out there showing that children already are reporting musculoskeletal issues and a lot of it is to do with poor po- prolonged, excuse me, prolonged poor postures, prolonged static postures, poor device positioning and generally sedentary lifestyle with very little movement and exercise. So this is a huge thing, but these are things we can control within our house. So I hope this was useful and you got some good key takeaways from it. If you did, by all means, please tell a friend, share it, leave a review just to help spread the word. But I just think children's ergonomics is so important. And to be honest, this blog post was only the tip of the iceberg when it comes to children's ergonomics. There is so much work, so much research going into environmental design, product design, even toy design, everything to make sure that things are suitable and supportive for children and supportive of their musculoskeletal development. So as I said, that is children's ergonomics for today. Next episode, we're going to focus on the educators. We're going to have a look at what we can do to help reduce the risk of musculoskeletal disorders among teachers. So I really hope you join me for that. As always, all my social media handles are going to be in the show notes. So will the link for the blog on this. There's some good images on there if you want to have a look. Um, And also, if you're interested in the school bag blog and podcast episodes, they're there. Or you should be able to find the one on Technic, which we glossed over as well. They're all available too on my website. And until next time, stay well, everybody. 